Hello and welcome to Housewives and Me, a podcast about why we love the real housewives. I'm your host, Connor Bean, and welcome back for another brand new episode. And welcome to, you know, for the first time, I was going to say in Drag Race history, because <laughs> I've watched so much Drag Race, but for the first time in Housewives and Me history, we have a returning guest, the one and only Lorda Barra is back this week. I'm so excited for you to hear this chat We kind of picked up where we left off after Laura's appearance on the first episode of this show. And also, I think there's so much that has happened since that it feels really cool to have someone who's such a housewives obsessive come back and give fresh takes on things that have gone down since then. Plus, of course, because it's Laura, we get into homes, houses, people's interior tastes and decisions. It's so interesting. The timing feels apt too. Laura, of course, has a new book out. It's called Decor Galore. You have to check it out. It is an absolute Bible and it's massive like it's got so much in it how she can put so much information into such a beautifully uh, considered package is a real gift and I had wanted to have Laura on at some point again and then I thought oh it'll be a good to mark a year of the show now technically you know the year of the show is maybe a week or two away but it's around this time last year that we started and I was doing the interviews you know a good bit before the show launched so in my head this is the one year anniversary effectively of the show so it feels only right to go back to the beginning and get some brand new insights from Laura so you know what without any further ado here is Laura DeBarra again on Housewives and Me. My guest today is a best-selling author of the book Gaff Goddess, which was a huge hit last year, and for good reason. She's a writer who's written for places like The Journal and The Irish Times. You follow her on Instagram and you love her of that, I'm sure. And she is back with a brand new book called Decor Galore. I'm very excited to welcome back the first ever Housewives and Me guest, Laura DeVara. Welcome, welcome home. Oh my God. I am so glad to be back. It's been one of my favourite podcasts, not to just be on, but to listen to. So thank you for having me back. Oh, that's very kind. And thank you for returning because I had been thinking in my head, oh, I should have Laura back on. And then your book is like coming out pretty much almost a year to the day that I started this show. I was like, well, you know what? If that's not a sign, I don't know what is. Yeah, exactly. And like, there's always room around interior and housewives to merge, isn't there? (laughs) There is. And also I was just thinking like, because you are such an expert on housewives and have watched it for so long, so much has happened in the year we've spoken. Because at first I thought, oh, that's a bit, you can't have people back on. I'm like, well, after a year, you can, because we have so much new stuff to discuss. Yeah, especially after the year that we've had. Like, housewives is in an unprecedented stage, as well as the world. So, like, there's just so much. It's, like, supercharged in the past year. We don't normally have as much go on. That's so true, like... From like you're right, there's been alleged crimes to shows falling apart of the seams to filming in a pandemic. Like actually, I even think this time last year, you probably couldn't have predicted some of the stuff that we've seen. No way. And I think like usually storylines that we've seen play out now, we've gone from like Teresa's jail time in the Real Housewives of New Jersey taking years to play out. We have Erica and Jen Shaw like in the same. Yeah. Like, excuse yeah. me. Like, I feel like I've been like punched <laughs> twice. I'm like, how do I? How can I process both these things? <laughs> and what have your housewives viewing habits been like over the last twelve months? Or have you been going back to things? Have you been following all the shows weekly? Like, what? Because we we obviously know a lot of people have discovered the shows in the last year. But as a hardcore long timer. Where, what have you been doing? Well, mine's changed a bit where I, like I'd usually just be watching like my calendar every morning, get off. And then around seven when I'm like 
just before I start work or commuting or whatever, I'd watch like the latest episodes that are out. I'm obviously not commuting as much anymore. So now I'm just like just watching the regular ones around lunch. But what I've started to do is I think like everyone else, we're all craving comfort in what mm-hmm. we're kind of absorbing. So like from things like I'm taking more baths, but I'm also watching all of my favorite housewives with no rules. I've been going through that account, you know, housewives or like I think it's Real Housewife Orders on Instagram. Yes, and yes recent guest. Oh, like incredible, eh? Like so good. I've got two of your episodes lined up to listen to for my next like painting and repair session at work. <laughs> and I've been saving that one because I'm like, yes, it's one of my favorites. So, and because what he does is like mentions like the season and the episode, I'm like, oh, yes. I, I forgot that Adrian declined Taylor's request to be her child's godparent. I'm going to lean into that now. <laughs> so like, I think that's like, what I've been doing is just going back to watch iconic episodes. I've kind of been avoiding the ones that have gone onto Netflix, the newer ones, because I'm just seeing it so much everywhere. It's kind of nice when you're a long-term viewer to kind of go into the stuff. I think Housewives was never what was always being talked about. And it was nice to just be watching something that you feel you're not in the world. (laughs) So like I've been going back into seasons that people aren't kind of like watching at the moment, you know, like early Orange County um, and earlier seasons of, of things that aren't kind of on Netflix at the moment, you know, like Atlanta stunning like it's just it cheers me up you know going back to the old archives and just like picking out the favorites so will you just pluck a random episode of a certain season or will you go say i'm gonna watch season three of oc and i'll do like episodes four to six like is it just one ep because with the hey you and stuff you can actually go into the library and just pick one episode if you want not to plug hey you per se but you know what i mean yeah you can and you can as well they usually have the most iconic still from that episode so you can tell it without even reading which one it is which i always enjoy i'm always like oh i know that that's that person's wedding or i know that that's the dinner party fight i love how they kind of archive stuff like that because if you're diehard like you and i we'll know like oh I remember, so I'll watch from there. I'll usually watch one season at a time as a constant, and then I'll pluck set, um, episodes from another season in the same week. So I'm usually watching a new one every day, a season binging at the weekend, and then random episodes throughout the week. I'd say three episodes a week a day is probably what it because it's on in the background, or like if I have to do, I've been doing a lot of drawing recently. So I'm either listening to podcasts or watching Housewives, you know, like just something that I can just kind of have on. And I think the pandemic has made everybody just want to switch off a lot more, you know. That is amazing. I'm, I love, I just love how organized and like rigorous your <laughs> schedule is. I'm, I would expect nothing less. Listen, you have to make time for your passions or you never get to do them. <laughs> oh my God. Okay, so we know that you are watching, you know, shows old and new. So... There's a lot happening in Housewives world with the current shows, as we mentioned. So let's start with one that has, even when we would have spoke last year, was coming into its own, I think has done so even more now, which is Potomac. There's Mm -hmm. so, and I do want to, because it's you, because it's the new book decor galore, I really want to get into homes and interiors and all that good stuff alongside the storyline. So let's start with Potomac. 
where are you with this current season? Because there is a lot going on because it's such an interesting group of women. Yeah, it's it's so interesting. And I think as well, it's really refreshing, that franchise. And it's on a Monday, like by the time I watch it, because it's the UK. Like mm-hmm. if you start your week off with Potomac, which is a nice way to start any week. And I do think as well, this season, we're kind of out of a massive, we, we don't know that a massive storyline is coming like last season when they had like the big scrap. So Mm -hmm. this time instead, we're actually getting to watch their lives a bit more, which I'm actually really enjoying. Like the Giselle, Karen kind of back and forth. Like I think deep down they're actually friends who are looking after each other and keeping paychecks alive. And they just get to kind of be like, I enjoy it. I think think they're entertaining us. You know, I don't think, I mean, I think they mean it, but I don't think either of them are actually hurt by each other which is why I don't uh, feel that bad enjoying it. I feel like they're both in it. They both know they're both in it. And they'll both kind of hit low, but neither of them will get too upset about it. Whereas I think it was the opposite when it came to Monique last year, you know? That's so interesting. I had never thought of Carnage. I mean, that's why they really are frenemies, isn't it? Because yeah. that thing of they do beef, but it's like it is from a playful friendship place most of the time. And actually... Do you know what I was thinking that too when I went into this season? I was like, well, what's going to be the big focal point? But the joy of Potomac is you don't need a big focal point because they are endlessly watchable. And as you say, there's not one fight driving things. Um, what do you think of kind of the the second season of Wendy and her dip into home and lifestyle? And then Karen, of course, with a three-wick candle. Like, I mean, as someone who is in, I mean, I know you're not in lifestyle in the sense of you're trying to sell those candles, but you are someone like, this is part of the book and what you do with your DIY stuff. Like, what do you make of Wendy's kind of home guru moment? Well, I am quite passionate about how candles has taken over the home market. And I've actually put a section into Decor Galore on candles because we're being told all these things about candles that aren't necessarily true. So it's like the usual slant of like gaff goddess as well, like info that we're never told during marketing about candles and why mm-hmm. you would have three weeks. So I found it really interesting when Wendy comes out and said, I'm doing a candle. I thought, of course, it's one of the easiest white good products to get out there. You know, go make your coin, absolutely do it. And you can see what she's doing is she's selling on the fact that she's a woman that has it all together. And people who, mm-hmm. her customer base will be like, what would, it? I always think they're like, what would Wendy do, customers, you know? I yeah. want to buy a candle. I'm going to buy the one that I know a successful woman uses. That's how most Instagram kind of selling works. You know, you're buying an aspirational product because you think the person is great, you know, so you're buying mm-hmm. what their taste level is. That's why I loved when Karen came in with her dig being like, I have three wicks. And I was hoping she'd go <laughs> into the reason why you want to have three wicks, but she kind of didn't. I don't think she actually, I loved that she came in the grand um, kind of saying like, oh, you want to do something? Look how many levels above this I am. You know, I am the original. I'm always three steps ahead of everybody else. Like that was kind of her vibe. Um, but the reason you usually would have three weeks is, is because you have a larger candle. It's not so much to do with throwing center in the room. It's that you want the wax to melt evenly and quickly so that it can reach the edge of the glass as quickly as possible so you don't get tunneling through the wax. So it was quite interesting to see her kind of like bring out some candle terminology that wiped the floor with Wendy in a way. <laughs> Classic Karen. That's very interesting with Wendy and Karen. Of course, as you say, that's a very Karen way of dealing with the situation. And the other big thing with Wendy this season has been the alleged personality change because she's gotten her boobs and her ass done and she's, you know, giving you the season two glow up kind of energy. What did you think of 
the women sort of commenting on that and her alleged personality change like where did you sit with that I unfortunately like I think a lot of women are conditioned by men who have been selling us products for years to automatically judge a woman on something like that and that we are automatically taught to like push someone down if they're feeling themselves because then you can't sell us beauty products and you can't sell us things that play on our insecurities so we're almost conditioned and trained into immediately that tall poppy syndrome how dare wendy be confident Mm. How dare she self-improve? How dare she grow? She must stay the same because that's what we're comfortable with. So it was hard to watch that. It was also hard to watch people like Mia say, you know, that if you have a brain, you have to almost dress a certain way. That kind of the way she implied that, you know, you, you're, if you have your boobs showing, you don't have a brain or, you know, you're not respectful, etc., etc. I think every woman at this, we're 2021, come on, let them do it. You know, like if she wants to get her boobs done, if she wants to show off her new bum, like celebrate her. Your friend is obviously feeling happy. At the end of the day, the bottom line of Wendy's transformation was she was feeling good about herself. And the parts of it that were triggering the women, you could see it was parts of themselves that they're not maybe that happy with or that they envy her relaxed attitude towards in herself. That's so true. And it's like, it feels basic to be like, you're jealous, but jealousy is a hell of a drug like it does bring up a lot in people it does and I think jealousy like sometimes when it's said it's kind of like oh and and it's not that like oh you're jealous and you're you're coveting what she has you want what Wendy has it could just be like I'm jealous that she actually put herself as her priority she did what she wanted to do and she's waking up every morning really confident I'm jealous that I can't do that rather than I want her body you know I think there's layers to jealousy and I do think that it's a reflection back onto they're kind of envious of how she feels about herself rather than what she has that's very interesting you are i mean when when you were on the podcast before the way you talked about houses and homes was (laughs) so good and we are now back with our potomac ladies we actually have some new homes in the mix of potomac there's a few i want to touch on yeah how do we feel now about giselle's home decor burn it to the (laughs) ground to the ground (laughs) okay feeling you would say that so there's been no change in in a warmth towards that that living situation no but one thing i will say is i have warmed towards the concept of giselle's space because she loves it like she adores it she brings her friends around she's showing them around and there was a part of me and i think everyone has changed a lot in kind of covid times around what the homes mean to people she is genuinely chuffed with that house even though i cannot i actually was like what has she done to her interior designer that they would want to do this to her like they've obviously convinced her that this is the way to go like i'd have nightmares and she's living for it and i think you know what go for it but i would definitely not choose it That's very big of you to say that. Uh, Candice has a <laughs> Candice has a new place. It's much bigger. You know, it seems to be this kind of flex that it's her and Chris alone, and, and her mom has something to do with it. What do you think of Candace's new digs? I just think it's surprising that even though her mum doesn't own it, it looks like her mum has decorated it. And I wonder, is that because she is feeling her oats as the grown-up now? So you'll often see when people go through stages of their lives, how it reflects um, in their interior. Like One of my favourite interiors to look up is somebody, especially a straight male who's recently divorced. All of a sudden, the <laughs> furniture is more fun. Things are brighter colours. It's bachelor pad, etc. And I think what she's doing is she's showing she's grown up imagine like her mum she said visits quite often 
And I would imagine that she probably feels a pressure to have things looking very orderly and grown up, you know, because she's had to argue that she's not a child for so long. And you can really see that in her interior. It's very mammy-like. I hadn't thought of that, that it reflects her mom. That's very interesting. And then someone who has been in the same living space, but it seems to become becoming more of a discussion because she now has two, has two kids in it, is Ashley. And I'm wondering what you think of sort of trying to raise two small kids in what seems to be, to be fair, a nice apartment, but maybe not one that is set up for your life in that way. Because that's something that comes up a lot in your work is, you know, making your space work for you, whether it's an apartment or a house or whatever. Yeah, I think what I always see with Ashley, um, with her living space, is she creates almost a boundary straight away to kind of say, I'm not like other people, I don't need to live in the detached house with the driveway. You know, she immediately sets herself apart that she is living differently. It's the first nod that you get, you know. And we see that in how she lives, her relationship, her boundaries within her relationship, etc. You know, she does stand out from the crowd in general. So it's no surprise to me that she doesn't do what the other women do. I love that she lives in a high up apartment. Like it looks lovely and comfortable and cozy. It just suits them. You know, I feel like they've got, they really like shine of investor energy, having worked with a lot of investors. Like that's an exactly an investor style living arrangement. It's usually like a city center flat, high up and new build, etc. Like it really does have investor energy, <laughs> that property. That's a great way of putting it. And even with, you know, this storyline this season of Michael wanting to be a film producer, that, that has that kind of, you know, young go-getter investor vibe, even though he is, you know, that little bit older. Definitely. And if you ever get into trouble and you need to offload an asset, it's much easier to offload a city centre apartment than it is to offload a family home in a suburb. I don't know if that, that's advice we should all take to heart. You just never know when you'll need to offload an asset. Especially if you've decided you're going into movies after a restaurant, so I'd say. <laughs> you're like, you might need to sell. Okay, <laughs> that could explain that. That could come up next season. Yeah, that's why I think they do probably live in something that's more of an asset than a family home. I think because they invest money in all different things. That's so interesting. God, this is why I love talking to you. I, you just learn something new every time. We need to get into the show that is now the crown, seems to be the crown jewel in the Housewives crown. It's like the one, you know, newcomers and longtime fans are obsessed with this season. Of course, Beverly Hills. Yeah. We will get into houses in a second, but you and I, just as pals, have talked about this, but I want to get this sort of through line on this now, on the record. Where are you with Erica Jane? It's difficult, isn't it? Because like after hearing the kind of slant of like why in situations when men do something wrong, do we always look at the woman and try and Mm -hmm. do this kind of like there's, you know, that kind of Madonna whore complex, you know, that kind of like we tend to then like and she's living up to the kind of villainess style of kind of this spin on the court case so it is difficult like but again if you're watching housewives anyway you're contributing to whatever we are we are doing with that kind of sphere so i when it comes what do i think of her as a person like we don't ever see who the true erica is so i don't think i can actually judge like i think Mm -hmm. a lot of it is I think she, and she's entitled to, goes through many different phases within her life and she is acting in each stage. When she was in the strip club, I feel she lived it, she breathed it, she, that was her personality. She chopped and changed, she became the perfect Stepford wife, then she became the pop star. She's always transitioning into something else. So I don't think, and that is maybe because she isn't comfortable with you know herself or maybe she doesn't know her true self or she doesn't want to. So I don't know if I truly know her as a person. When it comes to her being a wife of, 
a criminal who's done really bad things. I do think it's giving everyone a massive insight into you live by the sword, you die by the sword. And mm-hmm. you, there is no such thing as a free lunch. And, you know, like if you are, like, we're seeing it a lot in this pandemic. People who have an unexplainable amount of wealth, it's usually coming from somewhere a bit dodgy, let's be honest. And they say, you know, money talks, wealth whispers. And she's a classic example of that. You know, I'd say she really regrets bringing out a song, It's Expensive to Be Me. Um, you know, like... I was watching this amazing kind of, it was probably Joe Gunn, let's be honest. He always brings out the best videos where it's like her going through her wardrobe and like all her expensive bits and bragging and money and how much everything costs. I would say she regrets all of that bragging so much. It has done her no favours and it would have been something, even if your husband wasn't a criminal, any wealthy person would have advised her against that. Yeah, it's sort of that idea that, you know, I've touched on this with other guests on the show in recent weeks, kind of the the contrast with Eric and Sutton has been played out in the show as, oh, Miss Small Town Reputation. But I actually think it's much more about money, money versus flashy money. And someone yeah. saying, yeah, you're saying you have all this, but like, I know because I have far more than that and I would never act that way. Like that seems to me, seems to me to be kind of the, the through line of their beef in a way. Yes. And I also think, like what it's making me realize is I always thought that it was like money speaks wealth with money yells wealth whispers or whatever because um wealth was much more refined whereas what I'm realizing now it's the reason wealth whispers is because wealth is usually coming from a very dodgy standing point and it's usually mm. not wanting to yell because it doesn't want people to look in its direction so that's it, they box clever you know and I think that's what Sutton's doing and I think you know Erica's almost annoyed that she's kind of getting away with it because most wealth, as we've learned the past year, does actually come from somewhere where someone's lost out, you know? We're talking about Erica's divorce drama and all that stuff and who knows what's really going on there, but it has forced her to change her living arrangements. We're seeing her in a very different setup living-wise, even her sad sack hoovering with the Dyson around the place, trying to be sympathetic. But what do we make of her... what she calls her small apartment which is still nicer than most homes any of us will ever have like where are you with Erica's new abode yeah it's it's like 1.1 million as well isn't it (laughs) yeah um I love how she's played it because we know that all of everything she's doing now is strategy you know every single bit like filling a room with shoes and clothes this is all I have I've moved out with my suitcase um, those chairs, I had to steal them. That, I had to take it. <laughs> I am loving how they've played her moving into a 1.1 million pound property. A bill for a swimming pool? Oh my God. You know, like it's actually so interesting. So rather than like the uh, how it looks, because it's an absolutely stunning property in a stunning part of LA, I'm more interested in how they've teed up this, just a gal in her suitcase and the two candlesticks that her ex-husband didn't notice she took. I love it. <laughs> you know, and she, maybe she, she got to take the Hoover too, because she loves to do the chores. You know, it's like, we're learning, it's like watching, you know, like in Disney movies when someone moves to a big city with a suitcase, you know, it's that kind of a vibe. <laughs> and then the glam squad, they're in the kitchen and, you know, she took us to her other place where they had the white light and how they've strategically put really bad makeup onto her to show, look, Erica's on a budget. Like, I just, I love the theatrics, of the theatre of it all. Like, I absolutely love it it's very I know you and I were saying this before it's very death becomes her it's like she's yes it's like she's watched death becomes her over and over again and she is acting out the early few scenes 
it's just fantastic even the accent the tone which you do it's incredibly well she's just really taken on that character like she has all her other characters yeah and I mean look I've said it on this show and I'll say it again like when they talk about her on sexy unique podcast that's where I picked <laughs> up the voice from but just that kind of you know ladies I got my glam done in my kitchen I had to turn off that pool because I'm not spending money on a pool. <laughs> Am I right? Like, she thinks it's so relatable. I mean, I think her, it really has brought into sharp focus. I mean, none of them have self-awareness because they're millionaires on a reality show. But yeah. she truly, she used to imply that she was somewhat streetwise or savvy. And I've realized, oh, you're actually not at all. Like, she doesn't have any game the way she, she made us think she did. Yes, and Bethany Frankel said, or probably stole off somebody, you can't play stupid and smart at the same time. So you can't do Watch What, Watch what Happens Live and a load of podcasts saying, Tom, I may as well be in the office. I could be a lawyer at this stage. I could sit the bar. Like she says all these things. And then now she's saying, I didn't know where the money came from. I had a credit <laughs> card. I'm a girl. Come on now. Which one was it? You know, like sitting on Watch What Happens Live saying you, you could potentially sit the bar to then saying, I knew nothing. I was just a pop star who was treated very badly by a rich man. Yeah, there are, how can I say this delicately, some inconsistencies in the story that were being told. Which we love. If there was consistencies, would I even be watching it? I love this. I love it unfold. <laughs> I love to think, oh, you didn't say that last episode, did you? You know, we love it. Like, yeah. And then you get things like PK and Mauricio's reaction. You know, like, they're always brought in to be the viewer, and I always find them hysterical. Yeah, they have they have definitely had some standout moments around that. Um, you know, the other big thing on Beverly Hills this season, of course, has been the addition of Kathy Hilton as a friend of, and, you know, as a character on the show, she's been massively entertaining, but I want to ask you, how have you felt about Kathy on the show, but how have you felt about her home, which at one point felt like a set for a very elaborate dinner party from hell moment, so, like, where are you with the house as well? So Kathy herself, I know everyone's saying she's she's brought on to redo her reputation after the Paris documentary, etc. I don't care. I think she's so entertaining. I think like if anyone wanted to know what they'd be like if money was not an, a thing and they never had mm-hmm. to worry about it, you'd be like Kathy Hilton. Like she shows like the no glam squad, like in a tracksuit all the time. Like, you know, like not knowing what's going on, not caring, not impressing anybody. Yeah, yeah. Just madness. Like, and that's that's somebody who's just comfortable in life, isn't it? Her home, I just think they could do, like I know Paris did her cooking um, episode. They need to do dinner parties with her. They need to do, like, Kathy Hilton does entertaining I want to watch that show, how to have a guest in your home, how to set up a guest bedroom, how to hold a dinner party, how to prepare a guest bathroom, what kind of soaps you should put out for a dinner. Like she knows it all. Her attention to detail is incredible. Like it's incredible. She thinks about every single detail from the guest walking in that door to the time to go and get their coat. She has got it covered. Like she's a born entertainer in her home, which I love. And you can see how she's decorated it as the same way. Like she also, I feel like quite similar to her in the way of being a perfectionist when people come over. Like she wants everything like polished and just looking perfect for the guest. Like it's not even for her. Like she just loves to entertain. I love it. That all, I agree with all that, but what do you think of her taste level because in a way it's very old money but then there's these eccentric touches like the tv trays like she seems to have (laughs) interest she has interesting taste at least from my read of it yeah she's really eccentric like you know laura ashley kind of that style 
That means yeah. that store was trying, you know, you too on the high street can have a house like a rich person. You know, I think like the kind of people she entertains wouldn't feel comfortable if it was um, Dorit's house. You know, like she has mm. all of the trappings of that old money kind of style. Her house is what Erica and Tom would have been dying to put into their house. That's what I think. I think she knows, and she's so old fashioned, like she's just, it's all comfort based, isn't it? Like even the windowsills look comfortable. Like everything's like padded out and soft furnishings and like crystal. But then you have like the TV dinners. I nearly keeled over when I saw it. Like I actually <laughs> was like, is this actually happening? So she kind of does her own thing, which is amazing. But I do think decor wise, like, wow, it's so over the top. But she has a staff to look after it, you know? Yeah. Like all yeah, that upholstery, all that upholstery and animals. yeah i know sometimes i think about that like you know you see these really huge houses and you just think oh my god that's why you have not that it's right or to have a huge house and stuff like that's a normal thing but you realize oh that's the logic behind it is just maintaining your far too big for one person home yeah like i used to look after a couple of big houses at work and the maintenance is insane like if you get one leak in the back of the property and no one sees it because it's a spare room it could actually damage the property like entirely. Like, so you have to have somebody going in and out of every room. Like in one instance, we rented one out and a, a little kid walked from the ground floor to the attic with a pencil in its hand and dragged. <gasps> oh, when I tell you that this was not just any wallpaper, it was woven silk wallpaper that was imported and it was done in rolls to run up the entire like some strips because it was a turning kind of staircase were completely unbroken the whole way up so you couldn't even like put in it I when I die they'll be like she could have lived 10 years longer if the wallpaper hadn't happened <laughs> like she <laughs> this woman could have lived way longer but no the wallpaper actually shaved a good 10 years off her life and we tried everything to get it out but it wasn't noticed at the time when the stain could have been removed. It was like a kind of like a markery pencil, kind of like a kid's, you know, one of those chubby kids ones. And mm-hmm. we could have actually probably removed it if we'd seen it at the time, but the house is so big, the kind of groundsman wasn't kind of going in and looking at the staircases all the way up to the attic. So those massive houses, like you have to have a, a team of people in and out of every room every day. It's mad. Like Jesus talk about how the other half live. That is, that was, that, that'll go, that'll go with me to my grave. Um, <laughs> another, <laughs> another newbie we've had on the show is Crystal Kominkov, who <gasps> I think I've said this to you before the season aired. I remember saying to you, okay, they've shown us a shot of her in her home. I'm getting the impression she's money, money, but I'm curious about how you felt about her on the show, but also, you know, her home and this, you know, recent arc on the show during the season of building a thing in the basement. And like they're do- her approach to wealth and stuff is very interesting. It is. And I do think like it is, a, it can be a bit smug, you know, and like, you know, we, we don't see it all. And it is, they do edit her very well that way. Like having like that bag out so that Kyle would see it. You know, like mm-hmm. if that was anyone else, I'd be like, that's really rude to have your really expensive bag that your friend doesn't own out with a view to making sure they see it. But I guess if you were of their ilk, maybe that's completely normal. Um, mm. I personally, if I knew that my friend loved something and I had what she loved, I don't think I'd strategically place it somewhere in my house so that she could look at it and compliment it. <laughs> Yeah, like it's yeah. not for me but she, they do edit her that way her house is stunning and I like I do love like that you do get to see a, 
a bit of, I would imagine that's what Lisa Rinna's house was like when it was first done you know like got that mm. family kind of vibe to it and when she says like like I love to host in the house I kind of thought is that again just kind of showing off you know like yeah it, there isn't a level of that to it but then like I don't know if that's how they kind of edit her but then again the edit is usually kind of has definite truth to it you know I mean I'm curious just how you feel about there's two other homes I want to talk to you about Garcelle's and Dorit's because Garcelle I feel like is settled into this place in this season and then Dorit's had a new place in the last season or two and we've seen a lot of it this year because they've filmed an enormous amount there so the Garcelle and Dorit abodes where are we with those? I love Garcelle's because I do feel like it's you know they're always saying when someone gets divorced and they have their new house and it's a bit more fun like you can tell it's the house she's moved into now that her kids have grown up a little bit so Mm -hmm. she doesn't have to decorate it like kind of the other households with smaller children and it's much more glam you know you can tell that she's decorated that house for her to kind of get older in you know it's things are quite sweeping and statement pieces in it and I love it for her because she is kind of that person who likes to surprise and you know like you know she comes in in these outfits that are just like over the top and really bright like always just mm. see her coming down in that staircase that they show in her house like you could just see her doing that and she also hosts I think a program from her home and yeah it just you can see in the like background of it it just suits her like her house is her personality which I wouldn't be able to say for example for Crystal, but I could definitely say it for Kathy, you know? Same mm-hmm. with Kyle. I think Kyle is quite led by trend. And then you go on to Dorit then, who is her whole life, her clothing, her styling, her looks, her accent, her home. <laughs> it's all led by trend. So if you ever want to see what, it's the top pins on Pinterest that are being pinned this year, look at Dorit's house. Like, I love it because it's always the glam. Like, I love their bed. Like, I wouldn't have it in my own house. That big green massive green bed but it's very yeah it's very up the now like you can tell that she definitely likes to keep her finger on the pulse of what's trending I guess because she's working now in fashion more but it's like that house is so over the top it doesn't look very comfortable um but I do like how she kind of like it matches she's kind of like an, an Instagram influencer in that way like her clothing matches her home every season that's uh, that is such a good description of Dorit. Like she is an influencer. Yeah. yeah, she's like a fast yeah. fashion influencer, except she's in Gucci. But like, if like let's like change her to another level. Let's say she's head to toe ASOS and she's living in a flat in London. You know exactly what her house and her outfits would look like. <laughs> Whereas Kathy yes, Hilton would just, would just be bawling, crying over a martini. You know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. So you discussed one like established long term franchise and another that has kind of finished we're not getting a reunion I I kind of don't want to talk about it because it wasn't great but I have to know how did you feel about this season of New York oh my god I think all us long-termers or all us lifers should I say are just like, <laughs> how could you sour something that we actually thought was a constant in our lives mm. how could you do it to mm-hmm. us the recipe was yeah. there you literally like what what like I think they're right not do the reason they're not giving us a reunion I think is because they want to say like we understand we messed up like yeah. They would be they would be standing they would be doubling down on their decisions if they get, did a reunion, and I think they mm-hmm. don't want to make a problem worse. Like they don't want to give us more kind of like ammo, basically. But um, the season itself, I just thought it was kind of like they just longed it out a bit much. I think there was people like Ebony didn't get to be shown in a way that I think was fair to her. You know, I think she was like just involved in a lot of stuff she shouldn't have been forced to be involved in. 
Um, so we didn't get to like, you know, she was constantly having to firefight when we should have just been able to like enjoy watching her as a new member. And then mm-hmm. I think obviously Leah had the second season curse, you know, where we you start to kind of, I think a lot of people had turned on her this season. Like nothing surprising me when it comes to Ramona, Luan and Sonia, like nothing. But I think what they're missing in this season, and I think maybe... Could it be like all of the rest of us? Like everybody lost the pod a little bit during COVID. Yeah. Everyone's yeah, we still here. In a lot of ways. During yeah, lockdown. Yeah. During this pandemic, everyone can pick a moment where we all weren't our best selves or like feeling great. And I do think that, mm. you know, you're asking a whole cast of people, but then we can't shy away from like the blatant racism that went on was aired. Yeah. You know, like when you pull someone on a cast where, um, Atlanta for example on whether they were being like when it was like colorism and you're pulling a woman of color on that in a reunion but you can't even speak or reprimand Ramona who has literally done it blatantly Mm. you know like I just I feel like we're at a loss with New York and everyone's a bit disappointed with it you know what's interesting about New York too just from a slightly lighter not not a shallow point of view because it's really important but Mm -hmm. in a different way is the homes in New York are interesting in contrast to other cities because that is a show primarily set in apartments and then they escaped to Ramona's Hampton House, which felt like it got so much more airtime this year. So the sort of apartment living we see on New York, like, do you ever watch and think, oh my God, I could judge up your apartment decor galore style so easily because like, they're obviously all in apartments way more and townhouses, we should mention. Yeah, I think because it was such a crap season and it was so heavy, I found myself, I usually stop, I usually watch every episode twice and I usually stop kind of during it to kind of take in their homes like I screenshot a lot or like take in restaurant decor and stuff like that so maybe it's either because I was not paying that much attention to the storylines because they weren't appealing this you know like they were either like awful or they just were a bit boring and um, so I was getting more into the interior with New York and also I think Ramona's Hampton's home got a lot of airtime this season because it's so big it's safer for everyone to film in so it was great to see that because that was her first property she bought wasn't it herself and she Mm -hmm. has so much pride in that property and she loves to show off that property so it's always really interesting when they go down there because you really feel like she's just so bossy down there you know like it's everything in that house is on her terms because it was her first house like she almost turns into like even more of a diva (laughs) (laughs) like she gets even worse but her New York apartment I found really interesting because when she was with Mario her decor was completely different I know it was a different time but it was all based around her being viewed as the mom and the businesswoman who has it all together you know she'd have her jewelry line and the the kitchen table and the kitchen was such a focus whereas now you know that that flat is set up for bringing dates back and them to feel like she's younger than she is yeah <laughs> it is like perfect tinder flat it's like you know she's picked up a guy and when he gets into her flat he automatically knocks 15 years off her that's what she likes because her decor is so young <laughs> and fun you know family couldn't have a, t- a dinner around here are you kidding me you know it's like the anti kind of like family time apartment oh my god i i because to me ramona is one of tv's horniest characters so the idea <laughs> that even her home has uh been adapted for her horny needs is uh, it's not surprising, but I'm glad that you brought that to my attention. Ramona as well, I mean, was 
even more awful than usual this season but she did also dip her hand into the real estate world in a way that felt kind of like a storyline for the show but I would imagine you watch that with interest because it's not dissimilar to some of the, some of the things you do in your day job or even talk about on Instagram sometimes definitely I died because like sometimes if I'm really busy like with a certain peak in the market I'll do some like t- 20 viewings let's say in a week and I usually like you'd block book them out with agents like I would rarely meet just one agent and see one property mainly because they want you to see as many as they can with them so they can tick a lot of like admin boxes and they all have stats and stuff so you'd be stuck with Ramona for like two or three hours and oh like you wouldn't just meet her outside a block of flats go up and see a penthouse and leave you'd always do especially when they're higher end like that you spend a lot of time with them they kind of promise you a bit they'll show you something else they'll show you everything in the block and I just feel like I don't think she I think she talks too much to be able to sway you and then would come in I know exactly the kind of agent she'd be she'd go on and on and on not give you enough space to have a think about things and then ask you really abrasive questions to bully you into making an offer. Oh God, that's literally her personality, yeah. I can just tell. Like you can tell Frederick and you can tell Bethany their kind of styles of talking about property. You know, like, whereas Ramona is just so, uh, like, all over the place. I don't think she'd make many sales, but you know that she'll make most of her sales And the reason she'll get a really good employment is because she has really rich friends. And usually, like the way Mauricio did, you sell to your friends and you get your friends to sell their properties through you. And that's how the best Mm. estate agents in the world work. They have a really elite circle. And when Tamara, for example, went for her um, to redo her real estate license in the Real Housewives of Orange County, they were even saying it to her, like, who are your friends? Get to your friends first. Get them on the books. And that's how you become a successful estate agent is you start around the dinner table, you know? So in an odd way, Ramona is too self-obsessed to be good at the sell in the moment, but she is a kind of social butterfly that actually that side of her life could probably stand to her if she was to take on that for real. Definitely. And the friendships and the relationships she has, she's almost like a bit of a bully to them. Like they're used to her bossing Mm. them around. That's how she develops her relationships. She's the boss. She can kind of wear you down. So she already has that kind of a one-on-one with people. If you were selling your house and you were her friend, she will definitely bully you into (laughs) selling it through. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, now it actually makes so much more sense when you say it that way. Um, I, I'm so curious about talking to you about this particular show because I know that you didn't really warm to it when everybody else did, no pun intended. Mm-hmm. Um, Housewives of Salt Lake City, which is now back for season two and we're uncovering the Jen Shaw of it all. How do you feel about the show now and, and the Jen arrest stuff? So I binge watched it because I was like, I am not having another season coming out without kind of knowing what kind of went on. Um, I'm mm. glad I did. And it, when I first started watching it, I thought it was like, you know, like algorithm mediums or whatever on Instagram, like people who make jokes about what's trending rather than actual yes. jokes. You know, that kind of a way, like there's a space for it, obviously, and it, it can be quite funny, but you know, those kind of like, puns about you know things that are oh I'm just a girl who loves tacos that kind of like comedy or whatever yes <laughs> I thought that it was a version of that you know it was like the algorithm housewives where they got all the perfect things that were successful before and just put it into a franchise um but I really want to see more of Meredith like love her like those like waters run deep you know what I mean mm-hmm. and I think she is so controlled in what she puts out I actually quite like it. Like, I like how she's, you know, and I like how she is reactive. And when you see her having that, like, cigarette, and she's like, maybe I have a cigarette every now and then. Like, I just, I really enjoy her. <laughs> I think she's actually the most honest, even yeah. though she doesn't say a lot. Um, And the houses, it was just excellent. Like, you totally get a glimpse into that 
city because everything's so weatherproofed and there's hot yeah. tubs and everything is floor to ceiling windows because every place has a view like you're not allowed to have many floor to ceiling windows in London because it's light pollution and new built properties mm. aren't allowed to have them because your light affects other people sleeping etc it's all like they're, they're they all live in amazing chalets basically even though Meredith I did find like her room looked like an Airbnb that she hadn't unpacked in mm. <laughs> I couldn't get my head around it you know when they were having arguments her and the husband in the bedroom yeah and I'd be yeah. like is that like whoa okay um and I, I just found the houses like so amazing Mary's house is, oh god I mean it's like taking it's like an acid trip like <laughs> it's literally what I imagine like decorating on acid to be like <laughs> Or just if you love Jesus that much and you have that much money, apparently the same kind of... <laughs> yeah, or like it's that. I, I I do think this is an actual taste level. An 18-year-old who won the lotto. <laughs> so it's kind of like, you know, oh. you know, Richie Rich, that movie where the kid... Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what Mary says <laughs> reminds me or there was there was a movie I was obsessed with when I was a kid called Blank Check and it was about a like he must have been 10 or 11 yeah. this kid who finds a blank check I and remember. he has like all the money in the world yeah I think it's on Disney Plus now actually um, and like he just buys like a, like a gumball machine and he just goes mad and I remember as a kid being like the dream that's the dream <laughs> I could eat sweets all day was he the one or was it Richie Rich that had like a plane or something going through the room or a slide or something it's that's Mary's house anyway basically and everything <laughs> wrapped up in Clingfield and Montres like yeah. fascinating like there I actually stopped that franchise probably more than I stopped other ones and it, I don't think it was because they were new to me it's just the whole, the whole concept of how they live is very new to me I've never lived in a really cold climate you know like the way one of them would just be like would just ski over to the other one whereas I'm used to Adrian Maloof <laughs> in a pair of platforms and flares you know, pushing Lisa Vanderpump's gate open and heading in with her clip-on ponytail. I'm not used to someone arriving on a pair of skis. You know what I mean? It's so interesting. That's, that's such a, a good description of Adrian. You see, you can hear the little the thud of the platform. Yeah, the clip clap. <laughs> anyway, maybe Adrian will join. Will uh, pop up in Salt Lake City, and and she'll be in ski gear. Stranger things have happened. Yeah. Oh my God, she'd look great in ski gear. You were the first person I ever asked this question to. Um, one year later, I'm so curious what you think about it now. Um, it is of course the infamous tagline question. In 2021, what would your tagline be? Oh my God. I don't know if I can get better than my original tagline. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, do you know, like, will, will I? And have I done anything since then? <laughs> <laughs> well, you've another book coming out. I feel like Decor Galore lends itself, like, as a rhyming scheme, lends itself to a tagline. Ooh, that's true. Because we could bring in the word more. And I love the word more. <laughs> I was going to, literally, you could say, I may have Decor Galore but I want more or I still want more like it, that's, it lends itself to that yeah like I gave you decor galore let me show you more even better oh. oh my god that's perfect that's your like that would be if you were casting a show tomorrow and they were like okay start off here and tell us about yourself that's perfect Is it you and I could rule the world honestly they should never let us in a brainstorming <laughs> meeting <laughs> no, well they wouldn't because it would just be us <laughs> likening everything to real housewives they're like this is an energy drink for 22 year old males in the who are into sports and music we're like what if they're like mary cosby and we're like no 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 yeah or we'd be like oh that's like sheree's son yeah that's like sheree's son okay <laughs> our reference points for everything and all you hear outside the door is am i right ladies <laughs> i would start being like i would like to know where the money is and they're like what are you me looking for like an invoice <laughs> 
And then you're like soot and go, they spent it. They spent the money. <laughs> oh my God, Connor, we'd actually, honestly, I think it's it just shouts success to me. It shouts annoying to everyone else, but it shouts success to me. <laughs> yeah, it truly does. This actually does tie in quite well with the new book because I know you write about dinner parties at length and how to how to have one, how to stage one, how to like enjoy having one mm-hmm. as well. And we did do this question before, but I want to do the 2021 update of if you're throwing a dinner party tomorrow, you can have five people, real housewives, husbands, hangers on, friends of, pets, spirits, apparitions, whoever from the franchise, who, what five are coming over and why? And they can be past and present. It can be anyone. They could be on the show 10 years ago and never seen again, whoever. And, you, you know, I know we did this before, but I feel like in the last year we've met new housewives. So maybe there's yeah. there's a, re- a remix on the horizon. Yeah, definitely. I think, well, Kathy Hilton, first and foremost, I need every single drop of information out of that woman's head. And mm-hmm. I also love a discount in every Hilton hotel. Like, I'm sure she'd give you one. She'd like put you on, the, <laughs> like she'd put you on the list. I just love to have her over anyway. So she's number one. I think I would just by default have to invite Kyle because she performs better with her, doesn't she? Yeah. Like they have yeah. a back and forth you know like it's quite nice and I she'd feel comfortable and then she has someone to kind of like keep her on the straight and narrow because Kyle will say you're doing your lipstick while someone's talking come on you know so just <laughs> we'll do the two of them I'd love is it Donnie Edwards Catherine Edwards husband yes yes oh my god one of the hottest households Jesus ever Christ almighty I have never like he's on Believable. He is the nicest man. In the book, I say, like, if you're ever hosting a dinner party, have in your head somebody, if anything goes wrong, you can text the day before and just say, if I give you the nod, can you come and help me? Like, something's gone wrong. I just need a spare pair of hands. Or can you help me clear the table, etc. Like, always yes. have that. I didn't, he would be mine because he is so helpful and charming and calm. And mm-hmm. everybody responds really well to him. So I'd have him there. That's like three. Um. Mm-hmm. I definitely, I just want to say, would never have Lisa Rinna at a dinner party because this new overacting <laughs> laugh she does. <laughs> I just love, she is really this season in particular leaning into like, you know, like, oh, like, oh my God, Laura, Laura, the really? wine glasses. Oh, oh, fabulous. Oh, oh, where did you get these? Oh, yeah. Oh my God. Wow. Oh, amazing. And you'd be like, shut up we shut haven't even done the starter up. yet like yeah. <laughs> like send me a lip kit and get out like i think she garcelle even saying to her like i think you were a bad friend to me and she's like oh oh really <laughs> what and you're just like okay this is has somebody not fixed your batteries like what are you doing um i think i'd have then i'd love sheree over i find sheree okay hysterical i think she's mm-hmm. so funny i think she's really interesting i think she puts on a little bit of a front on the show but like i think she'd be great to have over she'd be really chilled she would put no pressure on you to have the perfect um dinner party do you know what i mean like she'd be happy to get yeah. back have drinks eat i think she'd be a great guest i think she'd be like really interesting she can she'd have be able to hold a conversation with everybody. You know, like, I think a lot of the housewives lack that. I think she'd be able to just, like, charm people, chat, be interesting, you know, but also, like, be a good guest. So that's 
four, isn't it? And then we've got one more. Yeah. Hmm. I think I would have... Oh, Sutton. I want the gift. Oh, oh yes. And you. I think you said that the last time as well. <laughs> it's my obsession. Every time my housewives arrive to someone else's house, I screen grab or stop or screen record what they bring because it is just fascinating. Erica came with nothing and everyone else brought something. I thought... That was so telling. Now this, sorry, just because I, I remember we actually talked to this because you posted it online, but just for people who, because it's been a while since it aired, Garcelle had everyone over for the Haitian dinner and you did this thing on social media where you kind of pointed out what people bring and what was the phrase you used for Erica bringing nothing? Was the phrase your mother says? Hands dangling. Hands hang- Hands dangling. <laughs> Something about that phrase is so Irish it's and so, so passive aggressive. Isn't it? <laughs> On your left, your hands dangling, I see. Come on in. Like, I can yeah. just see someone's mom saying that. And I've only ever heard my mum say it about herself when she's been like, I forgot to bring the wine over to the party. And there I was, hands dangling. You know, like, it's only ever been like a self deprecating way. But it's so yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah. Sutton ties every single gift she gives everybody in a black ribbon and has mm-hmm. a flower stuck in it which I love because I've got a drawer full of black ribbon I always tie up presents in it but she like does extra Aww. hers is like extra thick and then I assume the flower is from her garden so it's like so considered and that rum she gave Garcelle like I priced everything Dorit's wine $53 <laughs> like Slotton's oh. rum was like a few hundred because it was like <gasps> the really old one um and then Crystal brought a bottle of champagne, a brand actually that is a very specific crystal. So I wonder if it's she buys that as a pun. And then she brought her coconut water. She's got her range of it as well. So it's so interesting to see what people bring. And Erica should have just brought like, I don't know, like some random framed piece. I'm like, I stole this in the house. It doesn't work. Do you want it? Okay. And just fucked it at the corner. <laughs> <laughs> or just did what Lisa Rinna did. Brought a candle she got for free. Yeah. Regifting. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure a lot of celebs, because maybe they go to like gifting suites and they get sent like tons of stuff every day that we don't even see them talk about. I'm sure like most reality stars have a, a drawer full yeah. of stuff they can just re-gift. I'm like, I have a friend that re-gifts everything and none of us mind because it's always good stuff. Like they work in PR and they get loads of free stuff. And then whenever they're gifting, I know that this is something they got for free. I absolutely want it. Thank you. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Someone that's appreciating it, you know? So she, my thing is that it's not that she's that short on cash. I wouldn't be judging her ever in that way. My thing is that she thinks her presence is present enough. Yeah. And I mean, this season, I think that's been the opposite case. Mm. Um, I love how you went for Sutton and the gift again, because I st- I, I've noticed that a lot this season, particularly when they had the big Christmas dinner where you know Sutton really put it to Erica and it was obvious that Erica wasn't happy and still Sutton said and I got you a gift for a southern girls for Christmas and Erica had to be like that's so kind thank you oh thank, oh, thank you I was like oh this is actually so awkward that you insisted on still giving her the gift I was like oh I know right I was like she is like to the last moment southern manners hmm you know and and Erica turning on her is hard to watch you know I mean I had a I had a chat with a friend a few weeks ago well more than a few weeks ago now since it's aired but the you know the dinner party from hell part two and and the way Erica spoke to something which I just found so foul but one thing that I I thought was particularly gross and it was Erica has gone after Sutton Sutton you know to her credit has gotten more of a backbone this season but still doesn't do well with these confrontations and gets up and leaves and Erica makes a huge show of like slamming the chair against the table and gesturing like bye uh-huh yeah the seat's empty and i was like 
that's I actually the word I kept thinking was this is foul this is really foul behavior awesome. and I you know I went from Erica apologist to skeptic but now I'm like you're foul <laughs> yeah like I, I feel like um it's not she's going through a, like a, an insane stage of her life right and there is going to be resentment bitterness anger and she's going to be projecting it but she's not choosing a fair competitor like go for Rinna go for Kyle like going for Sutton, who has a proven track record of breaking down and crying at confrontation. That's where I'm just like, this is so unfair, you know, like it, it tracks that she's lashing out. But the fact that she's picking the person she knows who a, no matter what she does to her, as we saw at the present, will keep a stiff upper lip and keep her manners. And that's why I feel like it's terrible because other people would give her a cold shoulder if they saw her at the set next time. But Erica's choosing this opponent who she knows to a fault has a conditioning to where she will still be really mannerly and really pleasant no matter how badly someone treats her. Yeah, and you're right. Erica knows what she's doing in the sense that she knows Sutton's an easy mark. But I also think the other women know what they're doing in that it's very easy for them to like hey say what you said to us Sutton knowing that a Sutton will say it in a way but she's too polite to just come out and go well we think you're lying whatever so they I feel like they've like when Sutton goes those girls they got me man I'm like you know what they did like they they actually have all gotten your number they they're kind of turning her manners on her in a way which is kind of hard to watch sometimes it is they know she doesn't have the language the vocabulary she doesn't speak that way, you know? She wouldn't say, well, I said mm. you're a liar because she just doesn't talk like that, you know? Like, the, she kind of, like, con- her conversational kind of tone and rhythm is totally different and that's why they push her into those corners because they know she can't get out of it. And, you know, I know we said we didn't want Lisa Rinna at her dinner party, but... Well, maybe I she do, can serve the sh- drinks, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but I do think it's funny that if Lisa Rinna was on the warpath with Erica, like she isn't this season, but if she was... I think she would be so funny in that space because she'd be like, yeah, it's just, uh, where does the money come from? Uh, I mean, come on. Like she would just, because she, she does have the vocabulary just coming out and going, what about incredible. blah? You know, she would be vicious if she actually, would, if Erica was going up against her, I actually think that would, that would be much more interesting. Yes, and she would, she, see, she's shameless. So like, remember Munchausen's like, thing that yeah. I was hoping that Rinna would actually be a bit more honest in all of the and and be the detective she was with the Munchausen's kind of coming for somebody because it would have been amazing because she would have asked all the questions he wanted to ask but also she would have gone to Erica and been like I'm sorry I talked about you like that a word was said to me and it was said in a group and blah 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 fraud orphans blah 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 and then we'd get to see Erica like be like you said what but to Rinna who's an even kind of like competitor she would have been great because she would have done the full circle she would have gossiped she would have said it to erica she would have apologized to erica she would have put things out that erica didn't want to be put out there like she would have been brilliant and i think she knows it as well but there must be Mm. i guess it'll all be revealed why she has stayed quiet yeah it's fascinating um i do want to ask this and i don't know if it's unfair to the housewives in question but we'll see what your answer is which real housewife needs to sit down with a copy of Decor Galore the most. And maybe there's more than one. There is one housewife that needs it more than anybody else. <laughs> and I say this with kindness and love. Sonia Morgan. <gasps> Think about it. Do you remember when she moved into... She's mo- what is happening to her is she doesn't feel like she has a home. She's living in a mm-hmm. place that isn't hers because it's on the market. And it belonged to her ex-husband. And she needs to sell it. And it's a, it's a, this 
ball and chain around her neck, right? And it doesn't feel like her home. But she's what she's thinking is a home is like something you have to own and it's something that has to be, you know, a certain level, taste level, and it has to be a certain price. She needs to read the book because she needs to rethink what she thinks about home for herself and creating a home. And that it doesn't matter about the time, like who's with you, the money, the time spent on it, the decor, nothing. That it's about the user and what the user's going through at the time. That you can tell she's going through a really rough stage, but she hasn't built her space up to suit that. And you can see when Sonia's at her prime, her home is really glitzy. And you can see when she's really at her lowest because you see when she's lying in the bed with everything on top of it and she can't find anything and she's repairing things and she, you know, she's good at being resourceful. Like she's hanging up her monogram towels with tape instead of curtains. She just read Gap Goddess and Decor Galore. She'd know how to hang them up without annoying her landlord. You know, she'd she'd have those curtains (laughs) up. Even though she is her landlord. (laughs) I know. No, she was renting one of them. She was oh yes yes renting true the yeah, apartment yeah. and she'd know how to like take care of things like soundproofing and like those yes, kind of bits yes. and pieces and how to kind of like establish how to do it and she like the flat she was saying like it's just so small but like if she just I would love if she read those books because she'd sit back and she'd think how do I make this phase about me because nothing in her life at the moment is focused on her everything is focused on either getting her back to or getting her out of the former life and she's hanging on to all these possessions and all these things in the hope that she'll find that setting again instead of just being present in where she is you know that was such a diplomatic way of saying it I thought you were going to be like blah 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 this person their taste is awful you were so generous in the well way I think because with, with, with Decor Galore a lot of interior books are people saying this is how you get my style and right. what Decor Galore doesn't have is style tips it's about how to you figure out your style and put your style into it so it tells you things like the composition of fabrics and how like choose to choose a rug and sizing and scale and couches and mattresses and paint and the technical side of things. So then that your everyone's taste is okay. Some like someone would look at my house and be like, that is disgusting, but I love it. But and I also know mm-hmm. that like my couch suits me and all the different parts of it. I know how long it'll last. I know it was a good purchase. I know how to take care of it. I know like the what the fabric does and its place in my life and stuff like that so like decor galore is like it's kind of it's a book that you have to and even as I was writing it like there has to be an acceptance that everyone's taste level is different and everyone's taste is personal but you still have to have certain rules in place like about composition and kind of like and buying well so that things just don't end up in landfill you know what I mean so it's more of a discovery of how you fill your home with things you love and reuse things you love rather than kind of like you know some books are like this is how you become a Scandinavian you know style like this is a minimalist queen yeah like it teaches you how to to become like to have an aesthetic whereas this is all about creating kind of the aesthetic you want and I think Sonia could really do with that because she could look back and think who am I now because she's never looked at herself in the present in any of the seasons she's she was in recovery from her divorce for years and now she's in a stage where she just I I think she's in that limbo you know and she could really do with kind of sitting down and assessing what does this room need to do for me well I like to entertain men here I like to sit here and do this I love beauty (laughs) treatments I love to repair I love to reuse. Like, that's what I love about her. She has her wardrobe for years and years and years. She repairs and reuses everything, you know? It's so funny because I was about to be like, tell me about the book and what it's about, but in an odd way by talking about Sonia Morgan (laughs) and the book, you have told me a lot of what it's about. So for people who want to check out Decor Galore, like, what can they expect when they pick it up? 
I think they can expect, um, it's like talking to a friend, like it's, it's a comforting read around the home. So it's, it's a break from you've done all these things wrong. It's more just like little lessons. It's a, it's a tour through a home and it's like we're, we're in the living room. This is how a living room first became a living room and the concept behind it. This is how it's grown. This is how you buy the living room. These are essentials that you would need in the living room and how to buy them. And then this is how to enhance your living room. And then we do a min, a judge, and an overhaul, which are three different ways to transform a space. One has no money. It's just using my method and skill and repair and stuff like that. And then the judge is just a little bit, you know, you can buy something or do a little bit more DIY. And then the overhaul is like when you're buying a new kitchen floor and kitchen cupboards, things like that. So it's kind of like a book that you can read the whole way through or just like go into different bits that relate to you right now. And then other bits will relate later. Like so similar to Gap Goddess, it's like another Bible, but it's something that I hope will bring, make people reassess their space and what home means to them and bring out kind of like their kind of gaff goddess into like the decor sphere rather than the repairing sphere but there's still loads of repairs in there as well there have to be (laughs) (laughs) there has to be it's you after all okay that's decor galore the book which according to my little sneak peek copy here is the essential guide to styling your home but if people want to check you out online or get their hands on the book where can they find you where can they find the book so the book there's a link on my instagram laura debarra which sends you to a few different places but in ireland it's always good um eason do really quick and i think they do free delivery and then kenny's as well i have just found are the speediest they ship out really really Mm -hmm. quickly they're great both of them do UK. They're amazing, aren't they? They're like super, yeah. they're so fast. This is not a plug for Kenny's who are, like, this is not, by no means an ad or anything, but I've sent stuff to my sister in Canada via Kenny's, like kind of Irish books that I, you know, will be hard to find on certain big box retailers who I don't, I try not to spend with all the time. If you know, you know. So like, if you are someone who wants to buy from an Irish bookshop online, Kenny's is great for like sending internationally because I know for some people that is a tricky one if you're trying to send books. So shout out to Kenny's. That's great yeah, to know. I find they're good for that. Anyway, I wouldn't usually interrupt a guest on that, but I was like, it's good. Kenny's are I recommend. Yeah, that's great to know because I'm usually always, when I'm sending a present abroad, it's usually a book. So I need to get mm-hmm. on that because they they're the quickest. Like people have some things the next day, like it's crazy. They're quick. Yeah, they're yeah. quicker than that retailer online that we all want to avoid. I'm just going to put it that way. Yeah, exactly. Okay, well, that is the book. People are going to live, laugh, love. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure it's not. It's it's nowhere near that basic. I promise you. So that's Decor Galore. It's the new book from Laura DeBarra. Of course, you can still get your hands on Gaff Goddess, which it's like the Mariah Carey of home books because it just pops up on the charts all the time even when it's you think it's not in season it's always in season and of course you can find Laura on Instagram at Laura Tabarra there is and there's housewives in the mix always at you and your stories to be fair always it, it's part of my it's part of my life I think so it'll, housewives will always <laughs> yeah. be there if anything major happens as well I'm usually tagging you or like or <laughs> yes. just like it's, it's on there definitely there's commentary <laughs> Yes, it's all there. So check out the book, check out Laura on Instagram. Laura DeBarra, it was a pleasure to have you back again on Housewives and Me. Thank you for having me. And if you ever need me, like, please, always, always let me know. I just love this show so much. <laughs> you're going to be on like every season to talk new trends in Housewives Homes. You're like a fashion reporter. Don't say that because I'll get my diary up and I will literally be like, so 2022, 2023. <laughs> <laughs> right, we'll book you in now. Laura, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. 
That is the one and only Lorda Barra here on Housewives and Me. I will put links in the show notes to see where you can check out her book, Decor Galore. As we were chatting there, kenny's.ie is great if you are in Ireland and would like to send the book to people outside of Ireland because I know these kind of books are gifts and things that people send to Irish people they know abroad or just friends they have in different places. And of course, you can check it out in local bookstores in Ireland and it's also available in the UK so you should be able to find it there as well. And of course, you can find Laura on Instagram and I'm going to say Twitter because she doesn't tweet much but I think... I get the impression she wants to tweet more or feels like she should. So let's all follow Laura on Twitter and see if that encourages her. You know, she can join the Twitter machine with us. If you liked what you heard today and you're listening on Apple Podcasts, you can leave a rating or a review. It really helps the show find new listeners and the word of mouth and all that kind of thing. You can follow us wherever you get your podcasts. There are brand new episodes every single Tuesday. And you can find the show on social media at Housewives and Me on Twitter and Instagram. Should you want to follow me for some strange reason, it's Connor Bean on Twitter and Instagram is where you find me as well. And I should say, because technically we've had the 50th episode and this is what I'm considering part one of our two-part one-year anniversary celebration. Again, a huge thank you to everybody who has been with the show since the start, who has joined in recent months. However you found us, however you've kept listening or told your friends or spread the word about the show, thank you so much when you're making something by yourself. It is lovely to have the feedback of you, the loyal listeners. It does not go unnoticed. Next week, continuing our one year on celebration, the show's second ever guest is back. Vicky Natara will be here to discuss how she really has gone down the housewives rabbit hole. I mean, she was a fan when I spoke to her and now she's a super fan. I would wager that she may have even seen more housewives than I have at this point. So, you know, she's definitely got new opinions since we last spoke. So that's happening next week. Vicky Natara will be here So until next time, thank you very much for listening. Stay safe and I'll talk to you soon.